0: Hello, 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 everyone. It's Dr. Tamar Beckford with Your Curing Docs and our Docs Who Cures podcast. Yes, super excited for this doc. I've been chasing her dad for a long time, so you know how super special she is to me, right? So... Today, we're going to be talking about all of our professional women when you look like it's all going right on the outside, but on the inside, oh my, 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 right? We're having a little bit of turmoil. We're having a little bit of, hmm, we're not feeling like we're really up to par. We're going to dig all into that in today's episode. So I'm super excited, but I got to bring in my guest in my Your Care Docs fashion. All So this wonderful, wonderful lady doc of mine, she's a graduate from the University of South Carolina Medical School. So, you know, I probably said it in the wrong order, but all my people from the med school University of South Carolina, I got you people. We love you. We love you. We love you. Then she did her psychiatry training at UNC Chapel Hill, right? So this wonderful doc, she is the founder and CEO of a niche mental health private practice, right, where she's doing psychiatry and psychotherapy. And like most of my docs, they're not stopping there. She is also the founder of a wonderful coaching program called Emotional Mastery for Women Physicians. So she is here taking care of all of our women physicians. She's doing psychiatry, psychotherapy, and she's also doing counseling. So why she's doing all of this? You know, you're like, well, why is she doing all this? Because she's here to help our women physician create lives that are not only successful on the outside, but you feel amazing on the inside. So welcome, welcome, Dr. Jeannie Lorray. <laughs> Woo, Dr. Jeannie. Thank, thank you, thank you. you, thank you.
1: How are you, Dr. Jeannie? I'm doing so well. Thank you, Dr. Beckford, for welcoming me here in such high fashion and making me feel so comfortable. It's such a treat, honestly, to be here on your podcast and having this conversation.
0: Oh, I'm so, so, so excited. I'm so glad that you stopped by. I have been looking forward to this for a while. So, you know, I'm like super excited, but I want to kind of get down. Let's throw it back a little bit, right? Let's go back to what made you decide to go into medicine in the first place. So tell us about that.
1: I love that question. It took me uh, down memory lane. But when I think about it, I think my interest in the medical field in general started with my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a registered nurse. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we were kids, I have a sister and brother, but when we were kids, uh, she always opened opportunities for us to kind of be in the medical setting. Mm-hmm. I was a uh, candy striper in the hospital. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> bring uh, me to work sometimes to meet mm-hmm. the nurses. I would meet the doctors and just kind of got used to the hospital and clinic setting. So I really think that's where it started. Um, I I'm a person with a lot of interests. And so I didn't settle on medicine right away. Um, mm-hmm. Probably not until um, my third year of college, actually. Yeah. And what really, um, you know, changed the game for me um, was I had an opportunity to volunteer at a free medical clinic that was mm-hmm. close to my university. And I think something was just sparked in me. I love the clinic environment. I love that I was helping people. And, um, you know, I thought this is a way I can combine my uh, biology major with something that seems really important and right. good. And so I decided to go to medical school to become a physician.
0: Oh, I love it. So we're introduced to medicine from, you know, a young age. You had mom who's there working in the field. She's like, let me expose you guys, see if this is what you want. Candy Striper, they're volunteering, one of the lovely, lovely, so all our former Candy Stripers, hello, hello, all, I don't know how many of them we'll have now, because of course, for those who are listening to this, many, many years from now, we're still in a pandemic, there's this thing called COVID, coronavirus, still out there, so. All our people who are volunteering, thank you, thank you, thank you. Look at what the exposure did, you know, for you from this young age. And now you're here taking care of people. So you decide to, by your junior year, I'm heading into medicine. Yes, my 20s. Boom, there we go. I'm going to give it all to medical school. (laughs) But while you're there, you decide to go into psychiatry. So tell me, how did you make that decision?
1: Yeah. Love that question too and I when I was thinking about it I recall that when I went to medical school I did not know that psychiatry was a medical specialty. Oh, um, I kind of thought that I would probably do something like family medicine or OBGYN mm-hmm. because I've always been kind of interested in working with women. Mm-hmm. Um, did not know uh, that psychiatry was a specialty. I actually remember when I was a pre-med student, I think I was taking a tour of the campus. I went to Mm -hmm. the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston and was walking uh, with one of the deans of the school. And she happened to be a psychiatrist. And I said something very awkward. And I was (laughs) like, I didn't know psychiatrists were medical doctors or something like that to her. Right. Retrospect was a big faux pas was me putting my foot in my mouth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so glad you still made it in there.
1: (laughs) She was very gracious. Um, She didn't make me feel bad. And she explained that, yes, indeed. um, You know, that was a specialty that I could choose at some point in medicine. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, third year, you know, comes around and we're going through all of our rotations. Mm -hmm. And um, I think psychiatry was either my last or second to last rotation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I got there, I was like a fish in water. I enjoyed all of my rotations in some sense, Mm -hmm. but I really felt, um, like I was in the right place when I got there in a way that was different from, from my other rotations. I think um, it was just the way that uh, we could connect to, to individuals in a different way and spend a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of pulled at my heartstrings a little bit because I've always had this heart for kind of working with folks who are underserved or marginalized mm-hmm. in some way. Um, and, and there was never a dull moment. It right. <laughs> was very exciting to be on, on the inpatient psychiatry unit. And so um, those are some, the reasons that you know I landed in psychiatry and I'm really glad that I did
0: oh I'm so glad that you did also and you know what I love that's so interesting is that you're walking along and I you know shout out to that dean who yes who was very open-minded and explaining like yes psychiatry is a specialty to a young impressionable incoming you know student because Had that day not been that gracious, you would not be in psychiatry, right? So Mm -hmm. you have someone who, so for all of us out there, when, you know, you have this young impressionable person that's surprised about your specialty, you know, be gracious because you never know. Next thing you know, they are helping you and they're going to be your colleague. So this is wonderful. You've made it and you're realizing that you have this heartstrings for people who are going through it Mm -hmm. whatever it is it's big it's taking over their lives it's causing turmoil so you've been doing this and then now you're like you know what I want to open up my practice to helping our women physicians so you have this niche mental health private practice that you're out there what made you decide to do that
1: so I think over the course of my career Mm -hmm. um you know, i have been a psychiatrist, by the way, you know, for several years now and worked in many different settings. The, mm-hmm. the private practice is new. But over the course of my career, I started to just notice that there was um, a gap that wasn't being filled. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are taught in psychiatry training and it's kind of the belief of everyone that mental illness is this very um, black and white issue. You yes. either meet the criteria for a mental health diagnosis or you don't right yeah. You're mentally ill or mentally well mm-hmm. um and and that's really emphasized in in training and i what i started to notice is that that's really not true that's not, that's an insufficient way to look at it because ah. in reality there's a lot of gray space between having a mental illness that can be diagnosed by the criteria in the dsm mm-hmm. and not having a mental illness or being mentally well i should say right right absolutely um, there's we we're all human beings right Mm -hmm. and we all have good days and we have bad days um we all have emotions we all have thoughts we all have feelings um and sometimes those things can um Sometimes the stress of life can can cause those things to be a little bit out of whack. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a, a mental illness, right? right. Um, just because you don't have a mental illness doesn't mean you're happy either. And Absolutely. so I'm really interested in, I wanted to kind of close that gap and talk about that gray space that I think a lot of women, a lot of women physicians, a lot of professional. People in general mm-hmm. um, fall in where um, a lot of things are going well, they're functioning yeah. well, they're showing up to work, they're taking care of their responsibilities. But inside, there may be, um, mm-hmm. you know, some upset and some turmoil, and not really knowing how to deal with that. And I think it's really important to, to highlight that and mm-hmm. find ways to help that group of people because um, if we don't. Understand how to manage our emotions, or get our relationships back on track, or manage our stress and things like that. It certainly can lead to to real diagnosable uh, mental health concerns. So this is um, mm-hmm. an area that I really wanted to focus on and and provide. Uh, care, um, mm-hmm. particularly to women, to women physicians. And I chose that group to to highlight and to focus on because um, as quiet as it's kept, physicians um, die by suicide at rates that are higher than anybody. It's the number mm-hmm. one uh, profession um, that has uh, high suicide rates. And then women physicians are dying by suicide at rates that are 130% higher than the general public. So wow. um, major problem and something really um, a solution. And so when I thought of this practice, I wanted to provide care uh, specifically to women physicians in a way that um, is comfortable and relatable and mm-hmm. stigma free and fits into busy schedules um, so that we can correct some of this. Um, um, so I really have a heart for that. And, and that's a large part of why I started the practice.
0: I love it. And, you know, the statistics are alarming. And I know when people see their probably thinking like, well, why are physicians committing suicide? As you mentioned, on the outside, everything looks great. You know, you guys are earning more than the average, you know, citizens. And, you know, your life is great, right? Well, why is it that you choose to commit suicide? But there's something else that's going on. You're mentioning the gray zone. There's so much that is untapped that's not being discussed that a lot of people are holding in right so yeah. what are some of these and i think that there's something that um you've mentioned you know with us talking offline before in the past and that there's this feeling of feeling stuck mm-hmm. yeah let's talk about this stuck
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so feeling stuck, feeling trapped, feeling disempowered is a place that a lot of women physicians and a lot of women in general find mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the contributors to the high rates of suicide amongst women physicians and the high rates of uh, burnout um, and uh, and even the high rates of depression amongst women, because women in general, by the way, are diagnosed with depression at rates uh, twice that of men. And so wow. when you think about you know what's contributing, like what is going on here um Mm -hmm. i think about you know one uh being in these high stress careers right like Mm -hmm. medicine or whatever Mm -hmm. career you might be in that doesn't allow for a lot of emotion or vulnerability or Mm -hmm. error um really ends perfection and that you have it together all the time and then you couple that with um very real social problems there's um Women are earning less, right, for the same work as men. Um, mm-hmm. Studies and surveys show that uh, women physicians, for example, um, experience uh, less respect and less support in the workplace as compared to to male colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a variety of professional areas, find it more difficult to, um, you know, rise within their companies and up the the ladder in terms of of their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of uh, burden these days on women to for many women to be the um primary breadwinner, sometimes the only breadwinner mm-hmm. um, and when you think about physicians, there's a lot of um student loan debt and in, in the six figure, so lots of external pressure right there, and then mm-hmm. you add to that some things that are unique to 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 women right um that mm-hmm. men don't experience like um, bearing the the brunt of the responsibility for raising children and and oftentimes, you know, taking care of the household. And I think COVID has really highlighted um, mm-hmm. some of the limitations there as, you know, um, you know, more kids are needing to be homeschooled, and there's not good childcare, even though um, moms have to work. And I could yes. really go on and on. But I oh, think yeah. the point is that there are a lot of external reasons that women are under tremendous um, stress. Nice. And yeah. you couple that right with um, barriers to getting help for it, right? Yes. Under stress, and then hard to get help. When I think about medicine, and I think this applies, again, to a lot of professions and professional mm-hmm. women too, um, there are real barriers that are in place when it comes to women trying to seek help, right? Um, whether it's for, you know, delegating some of that, that household and childcare stuff, that's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're mom, but then also uh, real repercussions that um, society and and job places put in place for seeking mental health help. I Mm -hmm. know that a lot of physicians don't uh, seek help because they're concerned about their medical licensure and if they're going to be able to keep their jobs if they... they Absolutely. And so I think all all of that on the outside and then all these barriers to getting help really does lead people to feel very stuck and very disempowered. And I think those are really um, major contributors to
0: um,
1: Mm -hmm. high rates of depression and suicide and burnout um, that we that we're seeing.
0: Absolutely. And you know, you've highlighted numerous different barriers that are existing, especially, you know, for those of us who are in the space here in medicine, you know, when you're Sending out your application, you're reapplying. Do you have any mental health issues? Do you have barriers that will prevent you from providing excellent care, even if even when you're applying to the hospital systems? You know, and I can see as a lot of psychiatrists and those who are in the mental health space have been trying to put fourth is to normalize this. This is a part, just as if you have diabetes, you have high blood pressure. It's okay. If you have depression, normalize it. It's not to say, well, you're depressed. So you're going to, you're not as great of a provider. You're on antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication. So I can't see you being the one to take care of my loved one. You're not going to be as great as a surgeon. You're not going to be as great as a fill in whatever specialty because you have these particular challenges. So, you know, we even have those who were on the fence, they were able to cope. And then we have this additional burden of COVID. We're in a pandemic. So how have you seen that tip people over the scale? Like, you know, you were there in the gray zone, but now we've gone to either very close to being completely diagnosed with this um, like a mental health disorder or we have just given up? Like how many, and have you seen a change during this pandemic? Yeah,
1: I definitely have seen a shift. Um, And I mean, I think globally and and in the United States, the statistics show that certainly people are being diagnosed more and mm-hmm. suffering more with depression, anxiety, and insomnia, and drug and alcohol problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I think your question was about what what I have seen in practice, yeah. right? Yeah, and I think that has been reflected like in, mm-hmm. in my practice, and I think some of the things that I mentioned before, like mm-hmm. women were already, um, you know, working really hard at work and working really hard at home, but now, um, you know, not having access again to to school sometimes or uh, childcare sometimes or having to be out of work and therefore maybe missing wages because um, of contracting COVID themselves or the kids contracting COVID, you know, leads to financial stress. And so, yeah, we're human beings. And so, yeah, all of those kind of things can tip anybody over, over the edge. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think one like major missing piece of the conversation is, you Mm -hmm. know, what can we do, um, to, to help women stay uh, stay well despite and, and with all these challenges, right? Absolutely. And I think that the answer is way bigger than we can get into now. I think there needs to be a lot changed in terms of, you mm-hmm. know, social report, reform and the, the, the gender gaps and pay gaps and all of these things. Um, but what I find on an individual level, when I'm working with people um, mm-hmm. who are stressed out, burned out, kind of not necessarily meeting criteria for for major depression or a, or a clinical diagnosis but, mm-hmm. but are on the verge or kind yeah. of, actress, like you said, is um you know, do they have the the skills to and the tools and the support to mm. uh, move out of that? that, that pressure pot, if that makes sense. So yeah. do they have people that they can call on? Are they willing and able to seek um, professional help and and help from others that can really lift them up? And do they understand um, how their mind works? Um, and weird, you know, living in a very stressful world, um, the thing closest to us is our own brains, okay? And so um, while there's a lot of external situations that we can't control, Mm -hmm. um, one thing that we do... Fortunately, have power over is um, our thoughts and our beliefs, and um, understanding how our thoughts and beliefs and our perceptions of the world and the way we choose to interact with the world can Mm -hmm. have a big impact on um, you know our emotional state. Understanding that and being able to tweak that so that we're feeling as best we can is really really powerful, and that's something that I try to uh, Mm -hmm. help in with in my clinical practice. But it's also the reason that I created my coaching practice because. I, I want to help women um, develop the the skills that they need Absolutely. to um, exist in a world where we can't control everything and, and still find peace and still find joy and still find purpose and still be the best versions of of themselves. And so um, I could talk about that all day, but I'll, I'll hey, No,
0: <laughs> I love it. And that's the other thing, too. So one of the aspects that I do love about my Friend Dr. Jeannie Lawrence is that you know she has the private practice for you know the women physicians, but she's also has this wonderful program that it's a coaching program that's called emotional mastery. Emotional mastery. And that's there's a reason why it's called emotional mastery, you know, for women physicians. And as you've highlighted, you know, our thoughts really go hand in hand with our actions. And our brain is one of the closest things to us. So being able to understand, we understand that everything is not perfect um, within our environment, but we understand there are certain things that we can control and there are certain things that we just are not going to be able to control. However, what we can control is we can control ourselves and how we react in those situations. And by doing so is understanding yourself. And that's one of the things that I love that you just mentioned, like understanding yourself. If you're the type of person that blows up quickly, understand why. Why is it that you're getting upset so quickly? And are you getting upset quickly over things that you really, if you took the time to really understand, maybe it's based on not your current argument, situation or where you are, but maybe it's based on something else. So if you can understand it, it can help you to break that pattern, and that will bring a little bit more peace within, right? So let's talk about that. Like, there's so many different um, avenues to this. What is one of the things that you provide to your wonderful women physicians to help them to really gain that mastery?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um- yeah, so we we work on a lot, and I, mm-hmm. I I call the things that we work on kind of everyday challenges that women physicians face. Mm-hmm. So we talk about like how to overcome overwhelm, um, mm-hmm. which is one of the the biggest concerns that I see. We're all overwhelmed. Um, how can we overcome that um, even without? totally revamping our very busy lives, mm-hmm. um, talk about how to um, uncover and uh, disentangle ourselves from these uh, limiting beliefs that have probably been instilled in us for a long time, mm-hmm. um, that we need to be perfect, uh, beliefs that we're imposters, regardless of how much training and education and yes. <laughs> these beliefs that kind of haunt us and hold us back, Mm -hmm. um, we uncover them and, uh, and try to overcome them. Uh, We talk about how to create more positive emotion in our lives, right, Mm -hmm. by understanding, again, um, what we can do to process difficult emotions um, in Mm -hmm. a healthy way, um, Mm -hmm. what we can do um, after a a challenging day to de-stress in a healthy way, Mm -hmm. um, how we, we always have access to um, more joy and more peace if we have the, the right tools and we and we take the time to use them. And so we develop more positive emotion and, and make that a habit. Um, we talk about how to improve communication with the people that we love the most because our relationships are such an important pillar of our mental health and well-being. Um, and so, you know, that's just a little bit of it. But absolutely. Now that's a little bit of a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, But I think the, the overall theme is that we're, we're being proactive. Mm-hmm. We are dealing with these everyday challenges so that they don't fester and become, you know, real mental health challenges. And I think mm-hmm. by doing that, um, you know, we're we're lowering and preventing uh, mental illness amongst women. We are in um, saving lives. We're, we're preventing people from from feeling hopeless, trapped, like they have no way out. And, um, and I, I think that's really important work.
0: Absolutely. It is very important work to develop these skill sets. As we say, you know, you have a long day, you might've had a bad day. How to Unravel all of that in a positive way to develop positive um, outlets in de stressing, to develop ways to communicate effectively with your loved ones. Because, like we said, the pillar of our relationships, we're human beings or social beings, you know? Mm -hmm. And if we even like pull it back to an earlier part of our conversation, that's one of the ways that um, adds to additional stress in we say the women and in the families is when you feel like you're by yourself, you're having to handle all of these things by yourself. So if you're able to develop and to maintain great relationship, that helps with the support. And that will reduce, you know, the stress within. And with all of this, we're saving lives. Because if you're feeling hopeless, helpless, and stuck, then, you know, that's what leads to a spiral of depression and feeling as if there's nowhere out Mm -hmm. and there's no way out. And, you know, so with all of what you're doing, this is so wonderful that you are essentially at the heart of it. You are doing what you were meant to do, which is save lives. And you're saving us, our wonderful physicians out there, and especially our women physicians with all that's going on, you know, you're bringing the tools to help to save our lives. Love it. Love it. So now, I mean, this is a lot, Dr. Jeannie, a lot. So I need to know, what are you doing for self-care?
1: Yes. So, um, I do a lot of things for self-care, but I'll tell you what's been most, um, effective and most helpful lately, Mm -hmm. um, as I've stepped into this role of entrepreneur is protecting, um, my time off, um, protecting my weekends. I think when you're a busy professional woman, especially mm-hmm. when you have your own business, I've noticed there can be a real tendency to work around the clock. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're doing something that you actually kind of enjoy. Maybe your work is something that you enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, it can be hard to pull yourself away from that. Um, mm-hmm. But what I've been doing is shutting it down at you know about five o'clock on Fridays because the weekends need to be um, spent, you know, Uh, rejuvenating and recharging and connecting Mm -hmm. with people I love and taking care of myself so that I'm able to start the week fresh. So having those boundaries around work, I think, um, is a really um, important way um, that I've found to to kind of um, practice self-care.
0: Wonderful, wonderful boundaries. So much within that. One word but so much in it. <laughs> and sometimes it can be challenging, you know, to have boundaries, you have boundaries for yourself, you have boundaries for those you love who might not understand Well, how do I get a boundary? Because I love you. That's why you get boundaries. (laughs) And you have boundaries for coworkers, for your job, all that together. Absolutely. So now with all of that, we found that boundaries is a part of your wonderful self-care. But I have my fun question of the day. So if you weren't a doctor, Dr. Jeannie Lawrence, what would you be?
1: I love that question. Mm-hmm. I think I kind of alluded to earlier that I'm like a person with many interests. That's why it took me so long to decide on medicine in um, medical school. I, I was you know, pretty late in college before I decided that. I think I would be an interior designer if I wasn't. Uh, You're
0: my second interior designer. Shout uh, out to my yeah. best friend, Dr. Doris Fataju. She also loves interior designing. Yeah. Wonderful, okay. Now I have two people to help me design because designing is just not one of my talents. (laughs) So love it, love it. Oh, I love it. So many creative people. I love it, love it, love it. Alrighty. So Dr. Jeannie Lawrence, there's so many people who are watching and just like, oh, this is fascinating. And you are right. We're stressed out. I need to find ways, healthy ways to cope and to handle all that's going on in my life. Where can they find you?
1: So I, um, I created a, a free resource um, for anybody listening. Um, mm-hmm. You can find it at my website, which is mm-hmm. Um spelled just like it is at the bottom of the screen there without the doctor in front. So genielawrencemd.com. Mm-hmm. And if you go there, um, there's an option for you to sign up for my free guide, which I call How to Have a Great Day even if you're overwhelmed and have a million things to do. And so I kind of um, shed light on a very unexpected reason that we're all overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. Um, something that you may not have thought of, and then give some very simple, actionable steps that you can apply starting today um, to have a great day and then build on to create more great days for yourself. So go to my website, sign up, and I'm, I'm happy to send it straight away.
0: Absolutely. All righty. So you guys, if you need to get in contact as one of our, our lovely docs, the She Interior Designs Our Brain. I love it. <laughs> so yes, Dr. Jeannie Lawrence is here to handle all of us who are dealing with overwhelm. Boom, boom. She's knocking that out the ballpark, right? That's a wonderful resource available on her website, which is at JeannieLawrenceMD.com. Right, right,
1: md.com. All
0: righty. So, Jeannie, for those of you guys who are listening, Jeannie Lawrence is J E A N N, I E, don't forget the second N, Jeannie Lawrence MD.com. You'll find all the wonderful resources she has there for you, and then you'll be able to connect with her if you'd love to be a patient or a client of hers. I know you guys have really had a great time on this episode as I did. So do not forget to leave a five-star review for us and Dr. Jeannie Lawrence. And this will be available on our wonderful new website. So today I am going to post our website, our Docs Who Cares website as a part of our your current docs boom slash docs dash who dash care and you'll see list of all our wonderful guests and all the wonderful podcasts will be available there's this part that says listen here boom that's all you have to do hit listen here and you'll be able to hear all of our wonderful guests Such as our Dr. Jeannie Lawrence, who's here taking care of us. All right. So, Dr. Lawrence, do you have any parting words to give to our guests or those of us who are listening or probably watching?
1: Um, you know, my my parting advice would be to uh, seek help often and early. So um, don't try to figure this out on your your own if you're not feeling your best. Um, go ahead and talk to someone. There's a real tendency for us to feel like we should all have it figured out and should be able to figure it out, and that's just not the case. So early and often is best. And also, I wanted to thank you, Dr. Beckford, for what you're doing to help women take amazing care of themselves. I think the work that you're doing is powerful. And and amazing and needed. And it's been such a delight to be here today. Thank you. Aww,
0: thank you, Dr. Jeannie. Alrighty, guys. Thank you so much. Now you understand why I'm so excited to have Dr. Jeannie Lawrence. I know you guys love this. So don't forget to let her know by leaving her wonderful review. Thank you all have a great day. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye bye.